This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Every year, about 1 million U.S. households seek relief from debt via personal bankruptcy. One in 10 households have filed for bankruptcy at some point. And when families get to that point, the decision on whether to file or not can be a challenging one. But does the potential of debt relief and the generosity on parts of it drive more households to file? And how is it impacted by potential relief on things like mortgage payments? Sasha Indarte is an assistant professor of finance at the Warren School who's taken a deeper dive into this area, and she joins us right now. Sasha, thanks very much for your time. Hope you're doing well. Thanks. Hope you're doing well, too, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I guess let's start with the overarching look at at what was the impetus to do this research on this area in the first place. So a big part of my motivation for investigating what drives people to file for bankruptcy is understanding these motives can shed light on the trade-offs of providing generous debt relief in bankruptcy. How much of the decision process then is geared by the element of debt relief? So what I find is uh, I find that households are significantly more responsive in terms of their likelihood of filing for bankruptcy to just a simple change in the, uh, the cash they have on hand compared to an equivalent change in the amount of debt forgiveness available in bankruptcy. So if you give people more cash, that alleviates their financial distress and can give them a strong incentive to not file, whereas making the debt relief that they're able to get in bankruptcy much more generous has a much smaller impact on that decision. The other part of the equation you bring up is moral hazard. Tell us how that plays in. Exactly. So one of the the main arguments against making debt relief generous in bankruptcy is that it can create moral hazard. So if households anticipate that they can run up a large tab and they're able to just wipe it all out in bankruptcy, that might make households uh, much more willing to file in the first place. Now, the reason that's costly is that creditors are uh, going to anticipate that households are more tempted to file for bankruptcy and they're going to be more reluctant to lend if they expect to not be paid back. So we might want to, uh, if moral hazard is a very strong force, driving the household bankruptcy decision, that would be an argument against making generous bankruptcy. Is the expectation then the, the, the higher that you make the incentives, the more likely you are to see an increase in filings? That's exactly the idea. So if you make uh, the debt forgiveness a lot more generous, the idea is that more people will be tempted to file. And what I find in my research is that although people do respond to this financial incentive, they're not responding very strongly. And using a model in, uh, in, in my research, what I show is that this behavior is essentially telling us that people are reluctant to file because they perceive other costs of bankruptcy as being large. So these could be non-monetary costs like stigma coming from a moral version to defaulting, or it could be uh, dynamic costs, which could be, for example, uh, labor market exclusion. So there's other research that finds that having a bankruptcy flag on your credit report makes it uh, more likely that you'll be uh, rejected for jobs in the future. And it might also make future credit access more challenging. We're joined by Sasha Indarte, who's assistant professor of finance at the Wharton School. And it's interesting, you mentioned uh, the fact of, that this is kind of a human pattern uh, and, and the, the the mental decision uh, about whether or not to make that call or not, it really is, it does come back to, to uh, you know, a person's really truly beliefs and, and how they feel about this process. And obviously the financial relief is an element of it, but, uh, you know, this is a, this is a human decision that is made by people. 
Exactly. I think it's something that, uh, for example, in 2005, we had a major overhaul of the bankruptcy system in the U.S. that made it much more costly and uh, essentially a much larger hassle to file for bankruptcy. And the motivation for this legislation was really driven by concerns that people were uh, uh, essentially this moral hazard problem was severe. And now what my work is indicating is that it could be something like this moral aversion that really makes people reluctant to actually go through bankruptcy unless they've really exhausted their other options. So what are the trends right now in in terms of bankruptcies, uh, personal bankruptcies? I mentioned, you know, the numbers of about one million. Is the expectation that as the economy continues to go, we still see the potential of, of seeing that level of bankruptcy continue? Well, right now with uh, the current uh, public health and economic crises, it's, uh, we're seeing some very unusual patterns in bankruptcy. So part of um, my understanding of this is informed by work by Jalan Wang, Jayul Yang, Ben Iverson, and Ray Klunder, who've been monitoring uh, in real time what's happening with bankruptcy. And surprisingly, what we've seen for households in contrast to, to firms and corporations is that households are, uh, have actually become a lot less likely to file bankruptcy, despite all the financial hardship that they're facing in the the current macroeconomic climate. So then if you take the the belief of increasing incentives, that you're going to see increased filings, then reducing that generosity would lead to a reduction in filings. But I guess the overall, uh, the, the bigger question is what kind of overall impact would that type of a move have? So in the current environment, reducing the generosity, it would have two trade-offs. So on one hand, uh, it it should reduce a little bit of this moral hazard effect. But since my work finds that moral hazard isn't that strong of a force driving the bankruptcy decision, I would be a bit less worried about that aspect of the cost. Now, on the other hand, when we make bankruptcy less generous, bankruptcy is providing households an implicit form of insurance. Similarly to how health insurance limits the effect of medical bills on your wealth, unemployment insurance uh, does the same for job loss, bankruptcy uh, essentially allows you to limit how much your debt can grow potentially out of control. And so you can ultimately limit the impact on your wealth. So the insurance value that bankruptcy provides is, if anything, in uh, the current economic climate, a lot more valuable. What do you think is the ultimate takeaway from doing this research that, I mean, playing this out to the marketplace and and how this this research can impact the the mindset around bankrupt personal bankruptcy. So the my main takeaway from my findings is that people are filing for bankruptcy not because of what they can get, but because of what they don't have. And I think as far as policy, this points towards two things. It tells us that we shouldn't be as concerned about uh, the the costs associated with providing households generous debt relief and bankruptcy. But it also suggests that strengthening the social safety net uh, in the U.S. could be valuable, and it might be something that would uh, eliminate some of the reasons households have as using uh, for, for using bankruptcy instead of uh, relying on uh, other forms of insurance. Sasha, thanks very much for your time. All the best. Thanks, CTO. Thank you, Sasha Indarte, who is an assistant professor of finance at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.